for me, the first step is the break. So the book, I call it Break and Untangle. And the first step is making the decision that I'm going to break this cycle that I'm a part of. Like recognizing that the stuff that I've gone through, the mindsets that I have inherited, the things that I'm a benefactor of, these are no longer serving me. And I'm no longer, how I'm showing up in the world isn't of service to the world. So it stops with me. I'm breaking this with me right here, right now. And I think that's the first step. All right. Welcome to the Stuff Up podcast, where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others. And I welcome Chad Peavy today. Yay. <laughs> Author, speaker, trainer, business owner, everything. You do everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. Jack of a few trades. So thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's so good to be with you. You have such an amazing story. And you wrote a book called Break and Untangle. Mm -hmm. So in your book, do you, you go into your, your background of how you grew up and how you went from basically surviving to thriving? Yeah, that's right. Can you talk a little bit about your childhood, your backgrounds? Yeah, so I grew up a gay kid in rural Arkansas in a home where my dad was both physically and emotionally abusive and a very young mother who was, I say in the book, she was ill-equipped, which is like the nicest way I, I can put it, right? She was still figuring her own stuff out and taking care of this new human being in this really hostile and unfriendly environment that we found ourselves in. And it was just, a, you know, growing up for me, it was just a, an extremely confusing time. We were a very conservative Christian family going to church every Sunday morning and afternoon and Wednesday night. It was just all the time. And there was just this major gap as I got older between what I was learning and I was experiencing in the church and what I was hearing from my family and my own life experience coming of age and, and getting to know myself and figuring out that something was a little different about me. And that thing was that I was gay. And, and so it just created this enormous amount of anxiety and depression from a very early age. As a matter of fact, I started seeing the school counselor when I was in fourth grade, like on a regular basis. Wow. Yeah. But I was in a really small town in Arkansas. The population when I was there was like 2,500 and everybody knew everybody and they all knew my dad and they all knew his reputation and, and what that was like. And so no one at the school was going to step in and be like, how are things at home? They just tried to figure out every other thing that might be wrong with me. And it was just this painful survival experience. And I learned all these lessons on how to cope and how to deal with my life in a way that would keep me from getting bullied, keep me from getting beat up. By the time I got to high school, I figured out if I could have a girlfriend, then they wouldn't call me faggot anymore. And they wouldn't bully me quite as much if I had a girlfriend. And if I could join band and get in a leadership position in the marching band, then I would have something that I could cling to and be and do and be known as something other than the, the gay kid. And so I figured out all these ways of coping and dealing with my existence. And when I became an adult, those techniques stopped working for me. When I was 
got out of Arkansas, left home. I was still using those same coping and survival skills that I learned growing up, which were not healthy. And I found myself as an adult, like on a constant roller coaster in life with ups and downs and anxiety and depression all the time, in and out of therapy, on the antidepressants, nothing working. And it was just extremely painful. And I realized eventually that I was going to have to figure out another way to be an adult, another way to exist, another way to thrive. And that's what I write about in the book. Wow. What age did you know that you were gay? So I did not meet my first openly gay person until I was in college. And so I tell you that because now, as you and I sit here and have this conversation, Stephanie, like we've had Will and Grace and we've had like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And like we were more acclimated to this idea of gay people around us. You know, when I was growing up, that was not a thing. And so For me to even be able to look out and say, oh, I'm like that person, just did not exist for me. And so I didn't know I was, but I knew I was different as early as like first grade. And again, I wouldn't say that was like a sexual thing. I would just say that was like, I'm something's different with me at that age. And then, of course, as I hit puberty, things become a little more obvious to us. Right in terms of sexuality. So yeah, pretty early. Wow. That must feel so awful and strange and especially in a small town. Yeah. Very conservative. (laughs) Christian. Oh my word. I mean, I was bullied a little bit in school for being overweight and stuff, but I, I can't imagine. I didn't really feel different in any other sort of way, except that I was overweight and not cool at sports. But I can't even imagine how that would feel to be bullied and called horrible names like that. Yeah. How were you like, did your parents have an understanding that you were different or that you felt different? Mm, That's a really good question. And I'm not sure I've spent that much time thinking about it. Oh, (laughs) I remember when I was in ninth grade, I was in bed. My dad would leave for work very early in the morning and he and my mom had gotten into a fight and it woke me up. And I can remember my mom telling my dad, you just need to spend time with him. You need to get to know him kind of a thing. And my dad said, well, he just acts like a little faggot. And so clearly they knew, (laughs) even though everyone acted so surprised and shocked when I came out, clearly there had to be suspicions. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was never a conversation about that growing up or right no nothing like that but I definitely felt bullied by my dad not just in him saying stuff behind my back but just in the way that he treated me which I talk about a lot in the book right yeah that was very much a part of my reality as I'm sure it is for a lot of people yeah for sure yeah you're a big advocate of therapy big yeah when did you start doing meeting with a therapist or a counselor or life coach or anything (laughs) Yeah. So when I was in about fourth grade, like I said, that's when I started seeing the school counselor Mm -hmm. and that went on throughout school. And then when I went to graduate school, I actually met the therapist that I've had for 13 years and worked with him. Yeah. So a very long time. I'm a big advocate for therapy. I think uh, it's good for you. 
But I think Mm -hmm. overall journey toward good mental health and wellness, therapy is just one piece of that equation. Right. And I think a good coach is good for you. I think good mentors are good for you. Good friends are good for you. I've met people in the personal development world or the therapy world that where it's like therapy is just like the one thing. And I typically caution people against therapy being that one thing. Oh, that's true. Like I was that person. I'm like, everyone should have a therapist or (laughs) life coach or something. Actually, what you just said was really enlightening. Good friends, mentors. I think all of that is really what we need to have kind of a good balanced life. So that's really... Well, and you're doing it too, right? Like we were talking before we started recording, you were talking about how you like this podcast is part of your journey and learning more about yourself. And Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, you know, some of my mentors are dead. Some of my mentors I've never met, but I still like study their work and look up to them. And I mean, you're doing the the same thing. We collect these people in our lives, alive, dead, distant, uh, near, that help form and shape who we become as self-aware human beings. Yes. So congratulations to you. I love that. Thank you. And I think also talking about it, if you, well, that's where a good friend helps. But if you can talk about it with people and you don't feel this judgment, because I remember growing up and I mean, I'm a highly sensitive person. So people always say, you're too sensitive. And I thought that that was such a bad thing. But I've learned, yes, I was super, super sensitive, but I've learned how to manage it. But it's not a bad thing. Mm. that's helped me to be more empathetic, empathic. Can I remember the term? Uh, (laughs) And different things. And so, but I have one of my friends, I've known her since grade nine, Chris, and she and I can talk about anything. And we don't always agree, but you know what? I feel like there's no judgment. If I ask her different questions about things that she believes in or whatever, we have the best talks. And that's rare. Because I find certain people I can, okay, I can't talk about this with this person because I'm learning this and they're not in agreement. And oh, it's tricky, I think, nowadays. Well, that's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, that's exhausting. And it's also bringing to mind something else that we talked about before we came on the recording. And that's the word grace. Mm-hmm. You know, just being, having more grace toward one another. Yeah. Even when we disagree with one another. And seeing each other as human. Yeah. Not somebody like, oh, this person is a liberal or conservative. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We're just all human beings. Yeah. Just trying to make our way through. Yeah. So how do you feel after you talk to Chris? Like, what does that do for you? Oh, it's great. I mean, even (laughs) the controversial topics, we talk about everything. And she's helped me work through some of the different things that I have to be careful what I say. (laughs) Some of the different things that I've changed my views on. Okay, But she's listened to me kind of work it all through when she doesn't say, like, you should believe like I believe. And she just, I mean, and she actually said the other day we had lunch and she goes, yeah, I mean, you're one of my great friends, too. And I have I have some weird friends. I'm like, well, I'm glad I'm not one of the weird ones. Although (laughs) I said to her, well, I think we are both weird together. Maybe that's why we're friends. Mm. (laughs) But no, it's fantastic. There was one time a few months ago. Because we've been in lockdown on and off for the last year. So we've had port backyard porch visits when we can. Mm-hmm. I was like at her 
back in her backyard talking to her for four hours. I was like, dude, we've been talking for four hours. Oh, that's great. You're so lucky to have a friend like that. Yeah, she's really great. And don't you feel like the best conversations are the ones where you can, like, you're okay. Like if we get into a fight, if it becomes controversial, like I know at the end of the conversation, this person is still going to love me and I'm still going to love them. Yes. Like, I think those are the best relationships and the best conversations when we feel free to just lay it all out, even if that means controversy or a fight. I think those, those make me feel more alive. Like I, I really love those conversations and being around those people that gives me a whole lot of energy. I like that. For sure. I think, and I've heard this from various people who have come out as LGBTQ or atheist or anything. Right. And they're, they're like, I just want to know that I'm loved unconditionally. Mm. And that's the fear for so many kids, especially in the conservative Christian background. And I don't always mean to to say negative things about the conservative Christian, because I know some wonderful people who are, but I think there's just in our culture right now, it's very volatile and negative aspects of the conservative Christians have come out and a lot of it's intense. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, it is intense. And for those of us that grew up in that world, it also it, it's also really confusing because I don't know about you, but I look at some of the stuff that's said by that world now, and I'm just like, when did that kind of thing become acceptable to that community? Because had I done or behaved like those people are behaving when I was growing up, I would have had my ass beat. Like, <laughs> that was just not acceptable. Those are not acceptable behaviors. So it's, it's really confusing. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so confusing. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a minute here and say I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review. It helps people to find it. If you also want to help support it financially, you can check out buymeacoffee.com backslash stuff up podcast. Thank you so much. I love you all. You actually, there's something that you mentioned, or not that you mentioned, but I saw on your website, your book teaches how to self-coach. And I thought that was really interesting because a lot of times we don't think about that. We're like, no, I need a life coach or a therapist or whatever to coach me. Yeah. But how do you self-coach yourself? <laughs> well, I think for a long time, one of the things that I had to learn and I talk about in the book when I talk about mentorship is that I kept waiting for somebody to come along and save me. Like there's just going to be this old man with white hair that's going to come along and he's going to be everything that my daddy was not. He's going to show me the ways of the world. He's going to take me under his wing and open doors for me and create opportunities for me and make sure that I don't mess up and, and all these things. And that dude just never showed up for me. And so I had to first come to this place and I'm getting to your question about self-coaching. <laughs> I had to first come to this place of realizing that I am the savior that I've been looking for. I have to be that person for myself. So I'm going to have to create this community of mentors around me. I'm going to have to seek out the answers that I want, that I have questions about. I'm going to have to go figure that out. And it's so funny. I was in the hospital last week. I was telling you this. I was in the hospital with this sciatica pain. And I've written a blog post about this too, where 
my therapist would sometimes call me his patient and I am not sick. <laughs> so I don't want to be thought of as a patient. Right. I am a participant in this process. And so when it comes time to figuring out my personal development, figuring out what I want out of life, figuring out how to make my life work better, I've got to self-coach. I've got to be a fully active participant in this process. Sometimes that does mean going out and saying, that person is doing something that I admire. That person is doing something I want to know more about and following, reading, watching their videos, engaging them however I can. But I've got to take the initiative to self-coach myself into those situations. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. That is beautiful. Yeah, I think we do that without really realizing sometimes, unless you're intentional about it and that that's what you're doing. A lot of times we don't really, we're just kind of like trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. But I loved what you said, Chad, about the participation instead of a therapist patient relationship. Yeah. You're not just there to be like medicated or treated. You're there to actively engage in, in pursuing the best for yourself. Yes. It gives me a greater sense of agency when I am, even if I refer to myself as a therapist client, that gives me a sense of agency and ownership of the process mm -hmm. because there evens out the power dynamics between the two of us. As the service provider, the therapist can fire me as a client, but as a client, I can also fire you as a service provider, <laughs> right? So we are now equal and we are working through this process to get what I need at the end of the day through this process. But when I put myself in a position of, I need to be helped or I need you to fix me, I'm not broken. None of us are broken. We're just figuring our way through life. And I want to be an active participant in that process. Right. And do you find, because sometimes I'll do this, I'll look back at my younger self. And I'm like, oh, you were so stupid. Look at what you said and how you acted. And I think a part of that growing process is also having the grace again. Mm -hmm. giving the grace to your younger self, realizing you were doing the best you could at the level of awareness you had. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know about you. Were you the same? Like, do you think about past things and just go, oh, uh, cringe. cringe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you bleaching the tips of your hair? <laughs> what was going on? With that? <laughs> oh, did you do that? That's awesome. Yeah. In the 2000s, like in sync and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Of course I look back and cringe, but it's all about grace. I was doing the best I could with what I had to work with at the time. And those experiences have yeah. made me who I am. And I'm happy with that. That's true. So you talk about reframing your life, adjusting your thinking. What would kind of be the first steps to doing that? Because I think the first step is probably the hardest because the more you do it, the easier it gets. For some stuff. Yeah, yeah for some stuff. <laughs> for me, the first step is the break. So the book, I call it Break and Untangle. And the first step is making the decision that I'm going to break this cycle that I'm a part of. Like recognizing that the stuff that I've gone through, the mindsets that I have inherited the things that I'm a benefactor of, these are no longer serving me and I'm no longer, how I'm showing up in the world isn't of service to the world. So it stops with me. I'm breaking this with me right here, right now. And I think that's the first step. And then we can begin the untangling process. 
And that untangling, you know, in the book, I, I outlined 12 different mindsets that my journey required that I go through to untangle. And each of them, they were all interconnected and each one influenced the other. But I think to a degree, I think you're right. I think once you get started, once you get going, once you get used to the idea of I'm no longer having to defend my point of view on everything and I'm open to being wrong and I'm open to doing something different, then yeah, it does get easier to start to untangle the ego. I think that's what I remember in the Bible, it says something about like the generational curse. So things that our grandparents and pass on to our parents and then pass on to us. Mm -hmm. And there's things that I see in my background that I've seen been passed down. And I was doing the same things. But then I started to understand. And I'm like, no, I am stopping this here. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> I, not that I have kids, but I don't want to kind of, I want to be different, right? And I, yeah. I think it's super exciting when you start to realize these things. And the self-awareness is so, I don't know why everyone doesn't grow as a person. Honestly, I think it's the best thing in life. Like of all the things I've done, learning about how to grow as a person and develop personally, I think is the most exciting thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. 100%. It's even better than, I mean, I didn't finish university. I had to stop and go to work. Plus, I realized I was not good at school. I love the lectures, but the reading and I had bad anxiety, so I couldn't focus very well. But I, I had a ex-friend she was like, oh, well, Stephanie didn't graduate. You know, I'm graduating. And I was like, why is this so important to you? But I'm okay with that. But also like I see her, she didn't want to grow as a person, but she's more obsessed with getting her degree. And so I was like, okay, I understand that that's good for you and you want to do that. And that's great. But I'd rather be me doing this kind of thing. <laughs> right. But teach his own. Well, it sounds like getting a degree was maybe wrapped up in her identity somehow, right? I think so. I think that happens to a lot of people. And that's probably also inherited. I mean, it makes me wonder if like her parents getting the thing was to get the degree and then that got passed down and that got passed down and that got passed down. So, and unfortunately, yeah, I mean, I'm so proud of you. I mean, to wake up, to have this moment of like, this is going to stop with me. And I want to push back on you a little bit. Just because you don't have kids, like uh -oh. it makes it no less <laughs> monumental or no less important that you stopped whatever it was that was getting passed down to you. I mean, I think you as a human being are, are valuable and worth the cycle breaking with you. So good for you. Oh, well, thank you. Well, and I do have a niece and nephew that I want to be better for them as well. That's great. But I think, okay, and I've talked about this before. I did a podcast with my friend on singleness. but. In the, especially in the Christian community, there's such a focus on families and children and stuff that I've, yeah. I'm okay being single. Would I like to get married? Yes. Someday, whatever, if I find a good person. But it's also hard not having children in the sense like that becomes a lot of, especially women, their identity, right? They're a wife and mother. Yeah. And so sometimes I say things, I'm like, I don't have children and I, I have to. You are good on your own. Yeah. You alone are worthy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's and still sort of there. Asking me about women's <laughs> identities, you're going to get me in trouble. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I'm going to defer to the expert in this case. Okay. Is, 
Well, thank you. Yes. Whatever you say, Stephanie, you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, fun times. I think it's fun to talk about some of these things, but I sometimes get in trouble. My friend, uh, Rita, she has a podcast and we talked about, she does a lot on feminism and stuff like that, but she goes, you're kind of opinionated when you want to be. And I was like, oh no, because I was always the shy kid that didn't want to get in trouble or say too much or I didn't get a chance to say too much. Maybe I'm making it all up now. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing a great job. Thank you. So you talk about the 12 mindsets in your book and those come in like three different categories, the self, strategy, and social categories. Can you talk a little bit about those? Sure. So there was nothing for me in my personal development journey that was more clarifying about it than having to sit down and, and put words to it and write about it. Mm. And when I started really dissecting like what my journey had been about and outlined and discovered these 12 mindsets, I realized that there were these categories that existed that I thought were worth talking about and allowed me to more easily organize the book around them. And the first section was self. And that was just, you know, the things that we've been talking about, just understanding who I am, understanding the matters of self and my identity, understanding my purpose, those things were all wrapped up in who I am. And then the second section was about strategy. And that was just understanding the technical things that I think we oftentimes get wrapped up in. I think a lot of people probably start here in their journey where it's like, I've got to be more productive or I've got to get my money in order or I've got to do the meditation thing. (laughs) Those are all really important, but I felt like those were really strategic things that had to do with, with me. And then the third was social. And that was just how I interacted with other people, the relationships, the quality of the relationships that I, were, I was able to have with other people, but also my relationship with the world. And I took the opportunity in the social section to talk about things like legacy, because there is like this interconnectedness with all of us and our legacy, what we leave behind, how we live consequentially every day is a part of that social agreement that we have in our lives. And so that's how I break the book up. That's how I talk about and present those 12 different mindsets. That's awesome. Now, earlier you said that the 12 mindsets were something that you went through. Do you find that they're for everybody or is it kind of personal journey and it might be different for different people? Well, I hope that anybody that reads the book will find something that they can relate to with all 12 of the mindsets. Mm -hmm. And there's actually, are you okay if I tell people how they can do something on my website? Yeah. So if you go to (laughs) chatpeefy.com, there is a mindset assessment on there that I created where you can go through and answer the questions and it'll spit out a report for you and show you like, it'll rate the 12 different mindsets and say, this is the best place for you to start, right? So for me, I think in personal development, it's so overwhelming because there's so many things that I need to work on (laughs) that it gets really confusing to like figure out which is the one thing I need to start with. And so I created this mindset assessment, take that and it will spit out a report for you and be like, okay, this is, maybe you should start here on your journey. And I bet you, if you start there, you're going to eventually get your way around to the 12, but it at least gives you a starting place. That's awesome. And helpful for people when they get overwhelmed. I'm the type that gets overwhelmed. Me too. Okay. I think probably most of us do. (laughs) Yeah. So that's really cool. There's a lot to get overwhelmed with when you start unpacking. It's like, (laughs) oh my gosh, 
that's there? Oh, no. You know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody recently and she was giving me, we were talking about different books that we've been reading. And she goes, oh, and and this is a really good book on this. And I was like, oh, my word, I got so many books, but also so many different topics. Like I'm really learning more about racism Mm. and I want to understand it more and learning about personal development. I have those books to read and different. And I'm like, oh, my word. But I got to chill out and just go one at a time. Right. All the books on my bookshelf. I can't read all at once. (laughs) (laughs) Although sometimes on Instagram, I'm like, oh, these are my books I want to read. And so everyone's like, you read so fast. I'm like, no, I read really slow. And I take notes like I have to like, I'm that type of person. I'm a big highlighter. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. But how do you highlight? It's like, do you actually highlight the whole word or sentence or do you like highlight under it? I highlight the words themselves. Oh, are you on a Kindle or are you like on in physical books? Oh, physical. Well, I'm both. Okay. I'm all physical. I'm that age. Like I'm right in the middle of like the cool kids and the old people. And I'm stuck on like, I need <laughs> like a hardcover paper book. And yeah, like I get my little Sharpie highlighters and go crazy. I find it hard to read sometimes when I highlight the whole sent like all the words. Uh. And then I'm like, oh, so I highlight sometimes underneath it. But then if you don't have a a ruler or your hands kind of, then you're like, oh, I just like made it look really ugly. I find that hard. (laughs) I become quite skilled at it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to add that to my resume. Exceptional highlighting skills. Yeah. But it's true because I have bought some books on Kindle because they're, it's faster and cheaper just to get it right there. But then I'm like, oh man, I wish I got the original book because I'm going to forget about this one. Yeah. But if I have the physical book, I have my little pages. I kind of, yeah, you know, and I know where things are and I can go through the highlights so I can reference it easier. Sometimes I take pictures of the pages. I don't know if you ever do that. Yes. I usually send them to people. I'm like, read this. This is so good. <laughs> this is for you. Yeah. They were talking <laughs> about you for sure in this part. Yeah. <laughs> but it's never the same. It's like taking a picture of the sunset and you're like, this is so gorgeous. And they're like, oh, but it wasn't this as beautiful as mm. seeing it in person. Context. Yeah. It's all about context. So do you mind my asking, how's your relationship with your family now? Now that my book has come out? Yes. I haven't talked to my dad in over a decade. Wow. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of work in therapy. I'm okay with that. My mom and I continue to work on our relationship. And I'm the kind of person like if you put in a little bit of effort, I'll go at least that far and probably more to meet you. And my mom has done a lot of work on on herself and we continue to work on our relationship. Now that relationship looks different than it did when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Our relationship and the skills that I learned in that relationship growing up didn't work for me as an adult. And we've definitely had some hard times and gone on breaks and not talked to one another and skipped holidays. And we've been through all of that but we're both willing to put in the work. And like I said, if she's willing to put in the work, so am I. As long as that's done with with love and respect, then yeah. And she's been extremely supportive of the book and she's my best PR person. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so family's tough. Family is really tough. And there's, it's, I think that would be an interesting project is just, the family dynamics and and understanding why that one person 
the things that they say just carries a lot more weight than anybody else in the entire world for you. Yeah. And if it was anybody else that said that to you, you just close the door, hang up, unfriend them. But man, when it's family, that's different. It's a different can of worms. So true. And that takes a lot. I mean, I love what you said about if people are willing to meet you halfway, Mm -hmm. then you're willing to meet as well. I think that's beautiful because sometimes we don't do that. A lot of times we turn our back on people. I know I've done that. And because if I'm super hurt or I just like write them off and that takes a lot of grace, like we were talking about. Yeah. And I think it's hard to have grace and it's, it's something we're constantly having to be challenged with, but I think it's also needed in especially, well, always in the world. But I feel like in our time, we're so with the internet where we don't listen to each other enough. We just kind of, I don't know, the amount of fighting I've seen by people on all the different sides. I think people sometimes like it, but you got your legitimate people who just don't know how to interact with others. Yeah, it turns into a lot more broadcasting and voyeurism and not a lot of meaningful interaction. So it's it's hard to be graceful when we like the meaningful interaction. It is for sure. And the, the wording with that we use. I like to do like smiley faces all the time because I just, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if you know my tone, if you don't yeah. know me, right? Let me just clarify my mood for you. Yes. <laughs> this one was delivered with a wink. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. I like to do exclamation points because like it's how I talk. I'm like, yay. <laughs> but then when I see angry people use exclamation points, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, that's Because I feel like they're yelling at me. So <laughs> it's sort of funny. But I have to be careful. People I don't know, I have to be careful with the exclamation points. <laughs> yeah, that can get tricky for sure. <laughs> that can get tricky. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, like, what are you working on now? Are you going to be writing more books or? That's the plan. I certainly plan to be doing that. But right now I'm just talking about this one with good people like you and asking people to read it, pick it up. I'll even give you a free copy. If you go to my website, chadpv.com forward slash free book, you can grab a free copy of my book, Breaking Untangle from there. So that's what I'm doing. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah, thank you. Chad, you are super awesome to talk to. I've learned a lot and I really, you're very easy to talk to. It's great. And <laughs> I you. think the world needs more Chad PVs. Thank you, Stephanie. Likewise, they need more of you. Thank you for the work that you're doing and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and asking questions and not just making it an interrogation of your guests, but also you participating in the process. I think that's really beautiful. And I, I want to commend you for doing that. It's a lot, it takes a lot of vulnerability and courage. Thank you. Sometimes I worry that I talk too much or share too much. Well, that's how people get to know you. We're, we're learning from your experience too. I think that's beautiful. Sometimes I'm like, oh shoot, I overshare. Because my family hasn't really given authorization for me to talk about stuff. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Oh well. That's my life. I like to chat about it. <laughs> the best disinfectant is sunlight. Yes. <laughs> Let's get it all out. All right. And oh, and don't forget your podcast called Mindset Methods. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I started listening to that. That was really good. Thank you. So, and you have a lovely voice. Like it's very nice and calming. So that helps. Yes. Thanks. I'll put you right to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I don't know if you're the type like me where if I 
some people's voices, like on the radio, I remember like, how did that person get on the radio? I hate their voice. But some people might not like my voice. And we all have different things that we like and don't like. So whatever floats your boat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Chad. It was super fun chatting with you. And go get the book, Break and Untangle. Likewise. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to follow me on the socials, you can catch me on Twitter at Steph underscore Anne underscore web. Instagram, Stephanie underscore Anne underscore web. It has been changed from Stuff Up Podcast. Check out my podcast website, stephuppodcast.com. And also my other website, stephanieanweb.com, where you can actually buy my children's book, What Should Dragon Do? And it's about living together with kindness How do we handle certain situations? And it actually gives kids a little scenario at the end. What should the best response be in that situation? I also started a blog on there. The first blog is on leadership. So check that out. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you go out there and make it a great day. Bye.